Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to day 33 of Compulsive Overeating Diary. It's now been nine weeks, six days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating and binge eating rather than heading for the chips. It's a foggy, mysterious day at the top of the mountain in my upper Zen space. So you might be hearing some birds. You might even be hearing some drops. It's not raining, but as the fog condenses on the leaves overhead, sometimes the leaves drop their drops down on top of my head. But it's really kind of neat. As I've shared before, it's usually pretty hot here in Southern California where I exercise and tell my thoughts about compulsive overeating. So in a way, it was a real relief to have a nice foggy atmosphere to hike up the mountain. Now for new listeners, I open every podcast with a snippet of a very inspiring song by Josh Woodward called I'm Letting Go. And when we return from this song, I want to tell you about two comments from Brave Companions on my last episode, which was the epic robot alien battle from my computer woes that get me thinking about my negativity and why not become more positive? Why not think that I can go after my goals? But I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a history that never really grows, I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a silent wind that never Now that I'm feeling more inspired and letting go of yesterday, which was a crappy day for me, I've got to be honest, it really wasn't a horrible eating day, but it was just a crappy, crappy day. I have bad attitude. Well, before we get into the bad attitude aspects of my compulsive brain, I do want to give you a couple of updates. What do I weigh today? I'm still 210.6. So for those of you that want to keep track, it's 14.4 pounds down since I began my podcast experiment and one pound up since I had my celebration dinner with my husband still. And it's not surprising because I did have an epic battle with aliens and I've been having a bad attitude. So when I have a bad attitude, I'm not the most careful with my food intake. So while I haven't been binging, I haven't been maybe quite as on point with eating things that are more on the healthy side for me and maybe eating just a little bit more. It hasn't been an overall bad thing, but yesterday I just was in the mood from heck. And I want to share with you a little bit about that. Now, from my computer woes, we did take my old Macintosh computer into the Apple store to get it diagnosed. And as I feared, the hard drive took an absolute dump. It was history. It wasn't going to start. We're done. So I was lucky that I was able to get some of my data off of it before I went into complete system failure. So tech people or non-tech people, very important. Back up your important files because once that hard drive is gone, it's gone. So yesterday was the day I put on my to-do list, get this computer reformatted, And I decided to turn it into a computer that my husband Mark and I can use for iTunes, for each of us like our separate libraries because we have very different taste in music and so forth. So I needed to go set up his password, my password, my library, his library, test it with his phone, my phone. In other words, I was the tech support dude for all day yesterday. And what Mark was doing all day yesterday was enjoying his brand new iPad, which we got as a reward for him (laughs) at the Apple store. 
Yes, we do think long and hard about what we spend, but this is something Mark has really been wanting, and in the overall scheme of things, when we were coming up with the dough for the new computer to give him a new iPad, didn't add significantly more to that, that cost burden. So anyway, long story short, Mark is up there having a really fun day upstairs, playing with his beautiful new iPad and marveling at its lovely display and all of the cool things that he can do. I was downstairs wrestling with old computer, reinstalling software, trying to get passwords, connecting cables, doing all of the things that it takes to set up a new computer and to get it going. And then also I was starting my first backup of the new computer because I have learned my lesson, Brave Companions. I never, never, never want to lose my recordings ever again. Nope, from henceforth, I've got my time capsule going. I've got my backups. I got my encrypted backup. I got everything going there. But does it sound like yesterday was a really fun day for me? Who do you think was having more fun? Moi or hubby Mark? Did Mark deserve a really good day? Yes, he did. But what was my compulsive brain doing as I was dealing with technology? Something that I can do but don't super enjoy. Troubleshooting computers and setting up computers and screwing around with the computer hardwares and getting the print drivers going and making sure all of these 1,000 passwords that you have to remember are back in place is not my idea of a good time. So my compulsive robot brain was kind of poking me. Poke, poke, poke. Lori, how come you're having to do all of this work and he's up there getting to play with his iPad? Poke, poke. Hey, stupid robot computer brain. He deserves to have a day of rest. He deserves to have fun with his thing. I'm the one that really knows how to do all this stuff. And I should be grateful. You know, instead of having a big long discussion about how we shouldn't be buying any new computers, he took one look at me and said, yes, we are. And for those of you who haven't heard day 32, go back and, and listen to that for this story. But he was a really great guy. But you know how your compulsive brain goes when things are like, oh, it's not your fault. You're, you're stuck with all the work. You're having to do all this stuff. Poor me, poor me, poor me. He's going to do what he wants. How come you're not doing what you want? How come you're not playing with games on the new computer? How come you're setting up this old computer? How come you're walking up to the post office to get the passport stuff? But I was doing some other errands as well. But on and on and on, I was poking myself. Poke, 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 Lori. Poke, poke, poke. And so every once in a while, I would go and take a look at compulsiveovereatingdiary.com to see if there were any comments or anybody that I wanted to email to keep up with some brave companions. Because you guys always, always, always cheers me up to feel like this podcast is doing some good in the world. However else of a screw-up I feel, and believe me, I go around feeling like a huge big screw-up. Now this is not to, to try to get you guys to tell me there, there, there. I've just been trying to be super real with you about what's under my compulsive overeating, and a lot of it is the self-esteem issue of me picking on myself, taking the voices of prior bullies or prior experiences or just ways that I talk to myself and putting it inside and picking on myself and telling myself how worthless I am. And this kind of goes under the radar a lot. You know, this kind of just underlying feeling of discontentedness is really my inner voice picking on me. You're no good. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. You've got nothing to say. You are just should shut up. You should go stand in the corner. You should become invisible. Nobody wants anything to do with you. Now, if you're listening to that for 50 years, 
No wonder you don't have the most confidence. And I bet that surprises you too, because a lady who's going to come on to a public podcast and spill her guts as I do in front of all of you and all over the countries of the world who are listening to this podcast, you must have a bunch of confidence. Well, brave companions, you know, all that happy, good talking stuff, that is my front. I'm an excellent, excellent speaker. Now, if I take away my trouble physically talking because of my bicycle accident and how weird my lips now feel to me, that is a little bit of a challenge, yes. But being able to tell you bullshit or to put a good face on it or come up with three main points to teach listeners or to teach a class, I can do that in my sleep. That is my good Lori costume that I wear. Now the thing is, the good Lori, competent Lori costume is not really fake. It really is those aspects of me that have those talents and those skills. And so I should be saying, well, Lori, it's really neat that you feel confident enough to go podcast and share your story with people. It's really cool that if you were to get a speaking engagement, that wouldn't stress you, that would excite you, that you have a talent for that. That's really neat. But underneath that, I always have this secret feeling that I'm a big, incompetent boob and everyone's going to find out. So when things aren't going the best or I'm not feeling good, right now I'm telling you the absolute truth. I was a bitch to myself. I wasn't feeling good. I was feeling like any nice thing that any of you brave companions said to me was because I had pulled the wool over your eyes. That you guys just weren't aware enough to know a con man when you heard her. Okay, but that's because I was feeling bad. I was down on myself. I was drowning in the pool of negativity. It wasn't anything that you said. It wasn't anything that Mark was doing. It wasn't even that I chose myself to pick this day to work on the computer. You know, I could have told myself, hey, today is the day that you should go relax in the bubbly bath and read your Cooking Light magazine for good, delicious cooking ideas for dinner. Or you could take this day to go to the farmer's market in Montrose, something I really like to do. You could take this day to do this. I'm the one who penciled in for myself, do this chore. Nobody asked me to do it. Nobody made me do it. You know, nobody was bossing me. Nobody was telling me. I'm the one. Me, Lori, I signed up for this. And now I'm very, very happy that it's done. But I really gave myself heck all darn day. And to prove it, I want to examine two comments that I got from you wonderful, brave companions that will illustrate my point of view. So let me stop for a moment while I go get my phone. Okay, the first one is from Jerry. And Jerry, thank you so much. Please don't take anything I'm about to say personally because I do appreciate that you took the time to write me. And I hope that you will write me again after I tell you <laughs> what my convulsive brain told me. So I apologize. And the rest of you brave companions, don't take any of this as anything that Jerry did. No, this I was already in a pissy mood. I bet you can relate. Okay, so listen how heinous this is. This is how dare Jerry say this. Hello, Lori. I enjoy listening to your podcast. Keep it up. You are doing a great job. Now, isn't that evil? Isn't that awful? No. Okay, that was a very nice compliment, and that should have made me feel like, wow, that's nice. I'm doing a good job. But the very next sentence, 
you may want to consider not having any chips in the house at all, not even organic or other chips. I like to eat a munch on snacks, and the best thing for me is to have other snacks that I make available to me instead of tortilla chips, which are my favorite bad snack. If I don't have them in the house, I don't eat them, and they are not here to tempt me. I usually have small baby carrots, which I find to be delicious. Now I ask you, brave companions, is there anything at all wrong with that tip? I've given that tip. I've told you guys before. If you have a, a food that's going to tempt you, don't have it in the house. If it's going to be a problem, don't have it in the house. And then if you really, really want it, go walk up to the store or go get yourself a single serving. I have given that tip. I have even said, I like carrots. I do. I love vegetables and I often, in fact, almost every day eat raw carrots, broccoli, cucumbers and other veggies as part of my afternoon snack. All right, so this is actually, on the face of it today, while I'm not in a pissy, awful mood, a compliment that Jerry enjoys my podcast and thinks I'm doing a great job, and two, a really valuable tip that might actually help me or one of you listening out. If you have something in the house that's giving you trouble, don't have it there. But Jerry, I said, none of this has to do with you. What does Lori in the pissy mood here? One, I discard all good things. I run right to this carrot, this carrot thing. You may want to consider not having any chips in the house at all. Okay, that sends me right back into my childhood where my, my parents were locking the ice cream cones in the freezer and saying, these are for your brother and not for you. Okay, so where this is triggering is this deep feeling of don't have any chips at all in your house. Now, you, Jerry, were not telling me don't have any foods I enjoy in my house. You knew that I had a binge episode with chips. You were saying, well, Lori, since these chips were one of your go-to binge foods, maybe you should not have them in your house right now. Not that you should never eat them again, right? But I just wanted to, the only reason I'm even bringing this up and I considered this carefully because, Jerry, I did not want to feel ungrateful to you. But it was kind of a good example of how my brain turns on me. I was not seeing the good. I was really upset that somebody was telling me that my tortilla chips are bad and that I should only eat carrots. And you didn't say only eat carrots. But this is what I'm hearing because when I was growing up, I was told things like, you can never have pork chops. You can only eat lamb chops because pork chops... Pork chops have more fat and were considered fattening, and lamb chops were considered lean and therefore not fattening. And I despise the taste of lamb. I don't want to eat lamb. I've never liked it. But I was kind of forced to, if you're going to eat a chop for dinner, I made you, Lori, this lamb chop, and the rest of the family is having pork chops. Or if my brother put sugar on his cereal, I was told to only use sucrose. Now this was my family trying to protect me because as I've shared, I was a fat kid from the age of five and super fat pretty much from age eight. Well, not super, super fat, but noticeably obese from age eight, overweight from age five. So they're trying to protect me, but their methods were to very much single out foods as you can never have this, you can only have that, or to lock away foods or to to try to make it so that little girl Lori could not eat them. So, mom, if you're listening, I forgive you and 
dad is no longer here, but I forgive you too. I understand as adult, Lori, that you were trying to protect me and keep me from the pain of being an overweight kid. And in those days, I was the only one. So it was, it was pretty painful. But this innocent comment, which was really valuable, took me right into that deep place of despair of why can't I have chips if I want them? Why do I have to eat carrots? Now, mind you, I love carrots. I look forward to eating carrots. They are actually one of my favorite foods that I will eat whether I'm dieting or not dieting or considering myself on food plan or not. I love them. There's nothing wrong with this. But if you guys, you brave companions, have similar issues where somebody might say something to you that is neutral or even helpful, but it takes it hits you in a way that causes rage or despair or you feel like crossing your arms and stamping your feet, I would suggest, if you can, to do that meditation pose you know, right then and there. Do the tree. Take the deep breath. Go off into another room. Think to yourself, why am I having this reaction here? Because if you don't, if I hadn't taken the time, Jerry, to write down these notes that I was going to make today, knowing that I was going to hike and do this podcast, I said, this is really unreasonable how much I am feeling attacked by something that's plainly not attacking me. That it gave me the perspective to go back and say, I get it. This good and cut loving comment was hitting me to those old feelings as a little girl who is told, this good food is not for you or good tasting food rather, the quote unquote bad food is for us, not for you. And bad food meaning delicious food, good food meaning non-delicious food, food that I hate. Because most of the food that was only for me are the very foods that I cannot stand as an adult. I, I just can't eat them and I will throw up if I get one by mistake. So you think there's some psychological training of that, that compulsive robot brain in there? Yes. There is. So to this point, I wanted to talk a little bit about the difference for me between binge food and trigger foods. Because for me, I do consider compulsive overeating and binging related, but not 100% the same. For me, my binging is when I have made the unconscious or conscious decision that I am going to eat until I can't eat anymore or I'm going to eat until these feelings go away. And it's very emotionally based and it's very fast and it's eating almost at random anything that I can find that I can get down. And that would include those chips which were handy or making toast out of the bread that my husband uses for his sandwich, or eating cereal that I might have for breakfast, or looking in the freezer for french fries, if, they, if I used to have like Orita tater tots, things like that, which I would cook for dinner, I would actually go to the trouble of putting on my oven and cooking tater tots so I could eat the whole bag of them. That is kind of my binge. So if I don't have my chips, I would find something else. But Jerry has a good point. Because those chips were available, those are the same chips that I eat every single day as my controlled lunch portion. The very chips that have kind of helped me do better with chips out in the world were the chips which are handy. So if I'm going to binge, yes, I'm going to go for them. Okay. 
but when I'm binging, I'll also go for anything else that I can find or make or figure out because what my compulsive robot alien brain is trying to do is to feel better, turn off, not become aware of these very sad, uncomfortable feelings. And so anything, I could theoretically drive even to the store or the drive-through and come up with a bunch of binge food if the binge feeling is too overwhelming that my subconscious brain takes me over, like the robot aliens I talk about, or if I make a decision. Now, I think if I had a binge attack like in episode 32 where I actually fought it and made a conscious decision to, yes, I'm going to eat, I think I would probably try to come up with the least harmful binge food that I could in order to follow through. My big danger is when I could not identify, like let's say I didn't have this podcast to fall back on and I'd gotten this comment from Jerry and rather than figuring out what was bothering me about this comment, this helpful, innocent comment, I might unconsciously drive up to a, a fast food thing and get some hamburgers and french fries and a shake and eat them all in the car and never know. And I'd be coming back and saying to myself, wow, that was weird. Out of the blue, I went to the Burger King and, and did this. No, it's never out of the blue. The main difference for me is, do I have an actual awareness at the time of my eating behavior? Or do I have an actual awareness at the temptation moment? Now, my compulsive eating isn't as deeply emotional as my binge eating. My compulsive eating is when we go out to eat chips, let's say in the restaurant, I will probably eat more chips than my companions might. Though I'm not going to be stuffing them down like there's no tomorrow. I'm just going to really be enjoying them and liking the crunching of them. And because I have the habit of eating chips when I'm stressed, I kind of got in the habit of eating chips really quickly. And that's why I have those one ounce of tortilla chips every single day at lunch so that I can learn how to slow down and eat chips more slowly. Okay. Also, I will compulsively eat when I have a feeling of boredom or stress eating or items that are, are not quite as emotional as things that trigger my binging. And those trigger foods can happen to me just because I see them. Like if I open the cupboard, like let's say I had those Lay's potato chips and I had them in my cupboard and I open the cupboard to get out my oatmeal for breakfast, but I see Lay's potato chips, they are a trigger food and I might say, oh, I'm going to open this bag and have a few at breakfast <laughs> just because I see them. I will eat them. The chips that I have in my cupboard right now are not a trigger food in that way. When I see them usually outside of a binge behavior, I think, oh, those are my lunch chips. I'll have them at lunch. If my husband brings home some candy and puts them in his candy drawer, a drawer I usually do not open unless by mistake, if I see that, I usually think, oh, that's Mark's candy. And if he has something in there that is so tempting to me that I can't take it, I will then ask him not to get this type of candy for his emergency candy drawer. Now, would I like it if he didn't have an emergency candy drawer at all? Yes, I would. But he fills it with things that are satisfying to him and not really a trigger food to me. Now, if I'm in the middle of a binge, might I get in there? Yes, I might. Uh, thankfully, 
I usually have the presence of mind at the start of the bench to grab his candy and run up and, and put it on the top shelf or to throw it at him wherever he is and say, take this away. <laughs> because it makes me feel really badly <laughs> to be going after his, his special foods. <laughs> but yeah, when, when bench time is on, all bets are off and I will find anything and everything or get whatever it takes if I'm in full on binge mode when the robot aliens have, have beamed down into my body and taken me over. But the trigger foods, Jerry, you are absolutely right. And I don't keep them in my home. And usually these particular chips are not a trigger for me. They were in my bench as we, as we described. But you know what? If I find that I cannot leave these chips alone, if I find that they're going more regularly, not on my lunch plate, but throughout the day, those chips will be history for a while. And I'll try again sometime. Because my aim of this podcast and my journey is not losing weight. Though I'm happy with that. Yes, I, I like to lose weight. My aim is to have an integrated life where I can enjoy food, enjoy company, enjoy myself, and not fear food. And in order to do that, I need to integrate some of these foods into my life so that I can deal with them and I'm not floored by them. Unlike the alcoholic who can just say, I'm never going to have alcohol and stay out of bars, I'm not going to be saying, I'm never going to be around ice cream again, or I'm never going to be around chips on a table again. So I'm trying to train myself to deal with these foods and to really understand in my brain which are the foods that I really love versus the foods that are just okay. And I'm trying, except for those foods I eat for nutrition, to eat foods that I love and not to waste any calories at all on foods that I think are just okay. And that's all a process. It's all a learning process. But before we go today, there's a couple more things I wanted to talk about. The first is my second comment from Sue. Okay, Sue's been putting many comments, very valuable comments on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. And this is the one that she told me about, well, this is the first of many that she put on day 32, all about that whole computer snafu. Wow, what validation for Mark when he recognized how important your work on these podcasts and associated activities is to you. Yes, I agreed with that, even in my pissy mood, because, you know, I think that was awesome what Mark did. Then she went on, well done with your battle in the face of disappointment and frustration. I couldn't help but pick up on your comments about wanting to sing. From what I heard on one of your podcasts, you can hold the tune. Why don't you see if there is a choir? Uh, why don't you see if there is a choir you can join? If you don't read music too well, then a gospel choir might suit you. If you do, then you have many more choices. I hate singing solo as I am too self-conscious, but I love being part of a choir. All right, so what do you think... Pissy Mood Lori said to that, no way in hell, I can't sing. <laughs> Everyone knows that. And I'll give you a little bit of background. When I was a kid in elementary school, we had a singing teacher who sang wonderfully well. And when I was a little girl in an elementary school singing class, she was the first singing teacher to tell me, you cannot sing, mouth the words of the Christmas program. Okay, well, your teacher who you respect tells you you can't sing, you believe it. So that was when I stopped singing in public 
but I did sing to myself because as a little girl I was very creative and I liked to make up songs and rhymes and wrote stories and plays and did a lot of that. So, in fact, I'm going to sing for you right now a song that I wrote when I was eight and it was inspired by a plaque in my parents' garden. Okay, I called, here it goes. The wind is blowing, the sun is shining, and joy is filling the air. The grass is growing, and leaves are showing happiness everywhere. And all the children in God's earth, hand in hand, they sing. While all the little bells in heaven, for happiness they ring. There's peace in the sun for God, and the song of the birds for mirth. You're closest to God's hearts in the garden than anywhere else on earth. Oh, the wind is blowing, the sun is shining, and joy is filling the air. The wind is blowing, and leaves are showing happiness everywhere. Oh, happiness everywhere. So as you can see, I didn't suck horribly. I mean, I'm not talented as a singer, but I sang and do sing to myself and to cats, and now I guess to you. And even though I was in that self-doubting mood, because in drama school, I had three years of intensive drama training where I did pretty well with my speaking voice and all of those exercises, I couldn't sing. And so my drama teacher sent me for singing lessons, which I took and studied for three months. And when I come back, drama teacher said, Lori, you just can't sing. And she made me mouth all the words in the musicals. So <laughs> this is after I took, tried it. I went to the singing teacher and studied and did my best. But I still couldn't get my voice up to par to be able to be part of the drama class musicals. And this really cemented it for me. I should never, ever sing again in public. And until I did my ditties on these podcasts, I never, ever have sung in public. Not in church, not the Star Spangled Banner, not anywhere. Anywhere that anyone might hear me sing, I don't sing. I do sing to my cats. My cats love my singing very much because I mostly sing songs with their names in them. Well, after I got this comment from Sue, I said, well, just because it may or may not have been true that you couldn't sing at eight years old, and it may or may not have been true that you couldn't sing in drama class, maybe you had other things going on. Maybe your voice was stressed. You used to be a smoker, you know, in college. Maybe, maybe other things were impacting you. Maybe you just didn't have confidence. Maybe you have subconscious issues. You know what? Sue, you're very right. So I looked around here to see if there was like a community chorus or choir that I might join. And a lot of them, even though they are non-audition choirs, they like you to have some musical training. So my next thought was, well, you know what? Maybe I'll find a new singing teacher, and I don't care if it takes me five years. Maybe I'll just study with the singing teacher until I can feel confident enough to go sing in a community choir one time. So that's being brave for me. I am as terrified of singing as other people are of public speaking. I am almost as terrified of singing as jumping out of an airplane. I have terrible fear of heights and I have terrible fear of singing. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna be jumping out of the airplane anytime soon because I really don't want to, but I do really want to be able to sing in public. I don't want to feel like I don't deserve 
to be heard. I don't want to feel like if I sing for people, they're going to need to put earplugs in. And that's kind of why I sang for you today, my little song. <laughs> There's some mistakes in it, no doubt, but it's a start. Okay, brave companions, until next time, I hope that if you start finding yourself getting in a pissy mood and feeling bad and taking in the negative and throwing out the positive, that you can stop, take a breath, and remember Lori sang her song. <laughs> so maybe I can be kind to myself. All right, everyone, take care because I care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. And by the dawn, I'll be gone and won't be holding on to anything again. I'm letting go. I'm letting go. It's a history that never really grows. I'm letting go. I'm letting go. It's a silence.